All right, thank you, Josh. Our uh, second scripture text uh, is also from Luke and picks up uh, a little later after the one that Bob read. Bob read the story of the Annunciation, uh, the angel coming to Mary. Uh, and our second text then is Mary's response, uh, Mary's song. And because it's a song, uh, we want to sing some of it this morning. So we're going to do this a little differently. Uh, so Jim's going to play this on the organ, and then our soloist is going to sing through it so we all hear the refrain that's printed here in your bulletin. Uh, and then when they have sung that, uh, I am going to read the italicized text in your bulletin. And if you all could oblige me and read the bold text, it'll be in the bulletin. It'll be also on the, uh, the screens up at the front. Uh, and then if you join in with the, the, uh, the part that you're supposed to sing in the refrain, we'll go back and forth and we'll make Mary's song our song this morning. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For the Lord has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear the Lord from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. God has helped the Lord's servant Israel in remembrance of divine mercy. According to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
even though it's hard to get by to hang a chrismon, isn't it wonderful to have bells playing and an advent wreath and a chrismon tree and a wonderful choir? It just is wonderful to be here today. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The only way we can look at Mary with fresh eyes is to peel away all that churches through the years have projected onto her and see her as those who knew her would have seen her. Not some otherworldly queen of heaven kneeling demurely in a pristine blue robe and hood with folded hands and a halo around her head, but someone quite ordinary and definitely unexpected. She is a young teenager, possibly around 13 years old, who lives out in the sticks in a little village called Nazareth. Poverty and Roman oppression mean that her life is hard. She's engaged to a carpenter, Joseph, and has a pretty good idea of just how her life is going to play out until God breaks into her life with a message from the angel Gabriel who says, don't be afraid. Whenever we hear those words in the Bible, we know to watch out. Something is about to happen. The angel stuns her with the news she is going to give birth to the child of God. It takes a moment for Gabriel's announcement to seek in, and her first response, and close to what yours and mine might be, is basically, who, me? Whoa, what, what is that again? How on earth can that happen? Only it can't be explained, as most God things can't be explained. Given the cultural norms of her day, in Mary's ears, I imagine she's hearing Gabriel's message something like this. Hey, Mary, congratulations. I have great news. You are so blessed that God is going to make you pregnant even though you aren't married yet. Of course, Joseph most likely won't want to marry you anymore. And if that happens, you will fall into deeper poverty, begging on the streets for enough to eat for you and your child. You'll be an outcast in your village. You could even be stoned for suspected infidelity to your fiancé. But to sum it all up, you could become a destitute, unwed teenage mother who is raising the Son of God. So like I said, congrats. It's a wonder that Mary doesn't run from the angel. And yet the very thing which is bound to ostracize and condemn her is the very thing for which she considers herself blessed. The improbability of it catches her by surprise. She, the insignificant, of no account, powerless and poor, Gabriel tells her that she is blessed. And somehow the thought of God noticing her, an ordinary girl from Nazareth, and loving her, wanting for the holy to be born through her, makes her answer, yes, Lord, use me to do your will. She opens her heart to whatever God wants to do in her life and is awestruck at the thought of being the vessel of God's blessing to the world. 
so much so that she sings for joy. There is a change in her as she realizes that the most forgotten, the most unnoticed, the very least of us can bring light within us and within our hurting, broken world, the healing power of Christ-like love. Frederick Buechner tries to imagine this encounter from the, age, from the angel from Gabriel's point of view. He says, as Gabriel told Mary not to be afraid, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung in the answer of one young girl. What a great way to put it. Everything hinging on one teenager's answer, an ordinary girl chosen to do something extraordinary. Think about it. The infinite God born into our finite world through this one young girl who hardly anyone knows. God breaks into her life a sacred interruption, and Mary could have fought against it. After all, the news from the angel turns everything she thought or planned or knew in her life upside down. I guess what they say is true. If you want to make God laugh, just make plans. Humble enough to give up control, Mary steps aside from her own plans so that she can be an instrument that God can use to bring pure love into this world. You and I have a hard time, don't we, believing that God could do really anything important through us? We aren't Mary, but in a way, maybe we are. Like her, we think of ourselves as ordinary people who were never, never do anything extraordinary. But even little things can become extraordinary when placed in the hands of God. As most of you know, if you have read your history books, back in the 1940s, the apartheid regime in South Africa was going full force, with the white minority using their power over the black majority. One of the many dehumanizing laws of the system was that if a white person walked down the street, a person of color was expected to step off to the side to let that person pass. One day, a very young boy saw a white man walking down the sidewalk toward them. He and his mom were about to step off to the side when something unexpected happened. The white man stepped off the sidewalk and in a sign of respect to the boy and his mother, tipped his hat. It made such a big impression on the boy who smiled at the man as he passed by. He asked his mother why he did it. Because he's a man of God, was her answer. From then on, the boy decided that when he grew up, he would become an Anglican priest, just like the kind man whose heart was big enough to challenge the law of an unfair, hateful, evil system. The boy was Desmond Tutu. I just found out this week about that story from his childhood. It particularly touched me because Tutu is one of my heroes in the faith. I had the privilege of hearing him speak and meeting him several times, even one time being able to sit down at a table and have an amazing discussion with him. 
his kind heart, his ability to affect change and help overturn the rule of apartheid, his ability to forgive those who oppressed him and encourage others to forgive so that there could be reconciliation, his absolute joy in his faith moved me deeply. Who could have guessed that a small gesture of love and respect offered to him when he was a little boy would have such an importance in Tutu's life and ministry, not to mention the future of South Africa. What might God do through you and through me to touch another life like that? It amazes me how things that feel small to us can make such a difference in another life. One of my friends just sent me a picture of a card that her 13-year-old son, Jason, made. He had just come back from a quite eventful bus ride. It seems that a fifth-grade boy punched a second-grade girl in the face for apparently no reason, and the bus driver had to pull off the side of the road to attend to her bloody nose. And then one of the kids on the bus who couldn't stand the sight of blood started throwing up at least four, three or four times. So the first thing Jason did when he got home was to make a card for the bus driver because he knew she had a rough day and he wanted to make her feel better. All on his own, he created the card, first writing the words bus driver in a vertical line down the page, and then using the words that started with each of those letters to describe her. He used words like beautiful, smart, important, valuable, resilient. I can imagine that harried bus driver going home after such a rough day, wondering if her job was worth all of this, only to get this little card of affirmation from a child who notices her and appreciates her, who genuinely cares about her. I'll bet she keeps that card for a long time. Such a little thing. But don't you think perhaps God was using Jason to make a difference in that woman's life? Sometimes God uses such little things as just a step along the way to something more powerful than we could imagine. You and I sometimes shy away from the idea that God can use us, work through us, that God has plans for us, especially when they take us in directions that may not fit our vision of the future. It sort of frightens us because we like to be masters of our own agendas. We have things to do. We like to con have control over our schedules and over our lives. Of course, we may never know the difference we have made. But if we live in faith, if we follow the ways of Jesus Christ in any way that we can, who knows how many lives we will touch in our lifetimes. In a poem called Annunciation, Denise Levertov hints at this. Listen to a part of that poem. We know the scene, the room variously furnished, almost always a book, always a tall lily in the scene. Arrived on solemn grandeur of great wings, the angelic ambassador standing or hovering whom she acknowledges as a guest. But we are told of meek obedience, 
No one mentions courage. The engendering spirit did not enter Mary without consent. God waited. She was free to accept or to refuse choice integral to humanness. Aren't there enunciations of one sort or another in most lives? Some unwillingly undertake great destinies, enact them in sullen pride, uncomprehending. More often those moments when roads of light and storm open from darkness in a man or a woman, we are turned away in dread in a wave of weakness or despair with relief. And then at the end of the poem, she writes, this, the Annunciation, this was the moment no one speaks of when she could still refuse, a breath unbreathed, spirit suspended, waiting, she did not cry, I cannot, I'm not worthy, I have not enough strength. She did not submit with gritted teeth, raging, coerced. Bravest of all humans, consent illumined her. The room filled with its light, the lily glowed in it, and the iridescent wings. Consent, courage unparalleled, opened her to God utterly. Friends, there are annunciations in all of our lives. When God invites us to be vessels of holiness, living in ways that make us messengers of God, vessels of God's love in this world. Sometimes it happens in everyday gestures of faithfulness. At other times, if we are paying attention, God will lead us away from the comfortable plans we have for our lives and take us into unchartered territory. Will we have the courage to say yes to whatever God asks of us? At first, we may respond, who, me? How is that going to work? But if we ponder the ways of God and open our hearts to God's possibilities, who knows what God can accomplish through us? When Gabriel addresses Mary, he is asking her if God might become real in her. Can God become real in us, real to others through us? To God be the glory. Amen. Amen.